This is the Real Estate Pros Podcast, where we teach you actionable marketing tips and strategies to stand out from your competitors. Hi everyone, it's Josh Cobb here, the CEO at Steps, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Ian Campbell. Uh, if you don't know who Ian is, he's the founder and director of Air, uh, a software company focusing in the real estate industry. So I've brought Ian along today to tell us a little bit more about this mystical thing called artificial intelligence, which is um, certainly where Ian uh, specializes in in the software world. So without uh, further ado, Ian, thanks for joining us. No problem, Mr. Cole. Great to be here. <laughs> now, full disclosure to uh, all of our listeners that we've known each other for quite some time. Um, for those of <laughs> for those of our listeners who uh, don't know where that connection makes sense, um, both Ian and I uh, grew up cutting our teeth playing in bands. Uh, Ian was... Mm. Uh, um, quite a famous um, lead singer and <laughs> and rhythm guitarist, and uh, I was fortunate enough that I got to spend most of my time at the back of the stage as a as a drummer, um, a so called musician. <laughs> but, uh, but needless to say, neither of our professional music careers turned out as we had. Hoped. Well, it turns out you need a little bit of talent to be a muso. Well, so a lot, <laughs> and, and you got to be prepared to you know get paid in beer and. Chips for twenty years. That's it, yeah. right? So we moved into uh, uh, the uh, the real estate industry, um, which uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of musicians in the marketing space, specifically in real estate. I've found. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've noticed that yourself. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, it's it's quite odd, isn't it? Marketing and technology. Mm. A lot of a lot of creative wannabe musos who just realise that. Uh, they didn't have enough talent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moving into an industry where uh, you do need a lot of talent, uh, which is real estate sales, real estate marketing, and all of the above. Um, so, um, so Ian, for those of for those of uh, our listeners who don't know who you are, uh-huh. uh, they've been living under a rock for the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Give us a background. Start right at the start of uh, how you started in real estate and uh, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, a bit by accident, actually. So I was. Um I come from a technical background of, uh, you know, I guess, back in the day we were dealing with SQL Server and, uh, funnily enough, trust accounting solutions for the legal industry. Uh, and I actually landed a job with uh, the Ray White head office uh, back in 2003. Um, and my brief or the role that I fulfilled there was really to start to look at ways that they could use data strategically as a group. And so that, that's kind of where it all started. When was that? What, what year are we talking? Uh, 2003. Yeah. yeah. So it was an interesting time to join uh, the industry as well because you literally had uh, Remax coming to market with the independent contractor model causing significant disruption uh, to, to traditional uh, franchise models particularly. Um, and so it was, it was a really good uh, introduction, a good time to be in the industry um, because you saw, and you know, the, the Ray White Group are, are stalwarts, they'll, they'll be here for another 100 years. Um, you saw what it takes to really adapt to those kinds of conditions. And I think 15 years later, uh, almost, oh my God, 15 years later, <laughs> you know, you're starting to see, you know, other business models come in and, and, and have the same impact. Mm. Um, and for me, I draw on a lot of that experience in that time. 15 years ago. And so what, you, you started in the uh, uh, the Ray White corporate team uh, in yep. software, technology, marketing? Well, data, uh, basically, had, okay. you know, 102 years of history and not one property address digitised, you know. When, in two, this is 2003? Yeah, 100%, yeah. So it was, um, you know, for me, it was kind of like, oh, my God, how, do we, how did this happen? Uh, and so it really led that mission. Mm. Um and so then, um, you know, I spent a long time there and then wanted to branch out uh, and learn. And, and franchisors can be quite insular, you know, um, but that's part of the, the uh, I guess, the appeal mm. to being part of a brand, part of a family, part of a group. And then, but for me, I wanted to spread my wings and, and find out what life was like outside of the yellow brand. Um, and so I went into consultancy, uh, which was fantastic. Um, got exposed to a lot of different businesses and problems, not just in real estate, uh, and then had an opportunity to join a company called the On The House Group, which was a publicly listed company uh, who were looking to do some interesting things in tech. So 
for me, it was kind of like an opportunity to take my real estate history, my technology background, and kind of put it into a, a rather large company and see what would happen. Yeah. So on the house group for 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 people that don't know, the, what are some of the products that they might be familiar with that on the house group? If they're not familiar with the parent company, yeah. what are some of the products that they might recognise? So they own Console, the property management software, Port Plus, the CRM, uh, Residex, uh, the data company, and they also owned onthehouse.com.au, yeah. which was the portal. Um, it's a very interesting company. You know, it probably it, it just didn't have the legs, I guess. Uh, so subsequently, it got bought by uh, Macquarie uh, and is now delisted. And Macquarie really just focused on the console business now moving forward yeah. but uh, so your role there at console what was tell us about that so my role uh was really around uh, it was director of sales and products so i looked after uh, i guess i kicked off the strategy uh, and the execution of migrating to the cloud um and this was before macquarie took over um you know it's it's a bit of an interesting uh scenario i learned a lot about the perils of listed companies um and you know listed software companies is another oh would you, yeah would you add that as, a, as an additional listed software player? companies that are trying to make it uh, to compete against in the portal space mm. you know like talk about baptism of fire um, anyone that's trying to or has been involved in a competing portal play uh, knows just how hard it is to get it right and I guess you know, the great thing about onthehouse.com.au and what they actually managed to achieve um, was uh, consumer awareness. Yeah. Um, so one of the few portals that was getting significant traffic, it was the third largest trafficked site. Onthehouse.com.au? Yeah. Just was the th- Let's just put that in context. Mm. The third largest trafficked, did you say, um, real estate portal? Or yeah. portal. What, what sort of traffic are you allowed to... So you, can you tell us the sort of numbers? What sort of trend? I don't know. Okay. It was it was third to domain, so real okay. estate com domain, and then and then on the house. Okay, and, and, and not a lot of people would know that either. Not a lot of people would would remember on the house com dot au. Um, but well, agents didn't know about it. This right. was their problem: is that they'd gone direct to consumer. So they hold the reason why they were getting such traction was because they were the first ones to offer the uh, AVMs or the price valuations for free against yeah. uh, properties. So they had no opt-in either. It was just type your address in and here you go. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. So they um, they acquired um, you know, they, they they got all the licenses to the government data and built their own AVMs yeah. and 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 uh, and then they that's that's effectively what drove the traffic is that consumers all of a sudden found this site where they could go and get uh, some sort of indication of price. Mm. And um, and you know that was a valuable service, so they were the first ones to do that, um, and that's what drove a lot of the traffic. They didn't spend any money on advertising; it was all word of mouth. Uh, they had an exceptional SEO strategy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they would with every address in the country. Well, that, that was the that was it. So um, you know, anyone that typed in an address into Google generally on the house was number one, like within the top three results. Um, so look, interesting lesson of, uh, and often when you talk about portals, you talk about the chicken and the egg. What do you need first? Do you need the content first or the audience first? I guess these guys found a way of like niching in a particular, mm. very specific type of content. Mm. Uh, What's the number one question, right? Is how much is my property worth? Uh, it's the number one question any homeowner wants to know at the end of the day, right? Well, and any buyer is what, True. what is this? What's Probably. the price? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, so yeah, they specialised in basically providing the content to answer that question, and that's what drove their early adoption. I guess where it fell down is the ability to monetize, right? Effectively, you know, um, and so obviously a lot of uh, contention with the industry around that particular piece of content, mm. um, which really was um, probably more just education than anything. Yeah around what an AVM is, what it is not, and how to actually use it to your advantage as an agent. So, you know, it was it was a really interesting time. I learned a lot about commercialization of technology and um, and how to do technology at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and also project managing teams and all oh, the rest. Yeah. So I had, had about 50 staff under me at one point um, yeah. and managing multiple projects. 
Um, about halfway through my stint at On The House, the company restructured and I got put on the console team. Yeah. And, um, and I guess console for the very loyal customers, you know, console was a great brand. I, I didn't know a lot about it before I joined the company. Um, but quickly you, you came to appreciate the loyalty in the brand uh, to a lot of its customers. You also quickly became acutely aware how neglected the product had been for a number of years. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is an important lesson to any business is don't try and do everything. Mm. You know, you really have to focus. You really do. And if you're going to do something like, as ambitious as let's go and compete against mm. the major portals, you, you don't need distractions, right? You, you know, and I think that's probably... One of the biggest lessons there was um, trying to do too much. Uh, certainly with console, it took a long time to refocus the business to put the energy and effort back in, mm-hmm. you know, and all of that's had to start with the customer and getting back out and talking to them, engaging with them and getting feedback. Yeah. Um, well, I might come back to that. I might come back to that in a little bit. I've got a, uh, a reference to a podcast I was listening to. Uh, with uh, Gary Keller mm. um, from from Keller Williams, but uh, I'll come back to that. Well, fast forward to today. Yeah, you've left console. It was uh, last year, two thousand sixteen, almost a year to to the day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and now Air A I R E mm. um, came about. Tell us about that, or for our listeners who haven't heard about it, and what you're working on, and what's getting you fired up. Well, <laughs> it was kind of a sabbatical, I guess, for a long time. I, I knew. Um, when I went into On The House, I knew that it, it, you know, I wanted to effectively just use that as a platform to go and do my own thing uh, once I figured out exactly what that was. And, and to be honest, it still took me quite some time to figure that out. Um, I had a couple of stabs at some, uh, some products, I guess some traditional, what I call traditional software, which is user interface functionality does this particular thing for your business. Yeah. And we should stress it's all focused on real estate. This has been yeah, the industry you've worked in for 15 years almost. So, Mate, I love it. I think, I think real estate is it's such an important industry. And um, a lot of personal, I mean, every, everyone's got a connection to real estate, particularly in Australia. So mm. I just love the industry. I, I thought about going outside, but, um, you know, it's a lot of the people I know and enjoy working with are in, are in the industry. So... Uh, I'm, I'm here for, for the foreseeable future. Um, so yet, I, I thought about traditional software, but I guess the thing that got me fired up was the realisation that I'm a metrics, I'm a data man, I'm a numbers man. I like to look at KPIs, I like to look at data to inform my decision-making. That's my, I'm a data geek at heart, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that struck me, and I remember the project we were looking at, um, Console has a an app for routine inspections. Mm-hmm. And this app is, like most apps, you know, it's a form on an iPad, basically. Like, that's kind of the extent of it. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we did this project. We are going to rebuild it. We needed some feedback. Uh, and, you know, a lot of what product development about is research, mm. uh, really. I mean, if you're going to do it well, you need to talk to users, talk to customers, a bunch of different very, very specialised techniques to understand exactly how to knuckle down the problem. Yeah. So we went out and talked to a bunch of our existing users and, and what was interesting, uh, and we actually talked to people that weren't using it to find out, you know, well, why not mm. and what were you doing instead. And what was interesting is when you kind of, you need to kind of evaluate uh, the business point of view about what is this particular product helping me do. Mm. And so if you think about a routine inspection, if you don't know property management, it's the same in sales. So I've got experience across both sides, but in property management specifically, it's about making sure the information is accurate, getting in and out of the house as, as fast as you can because you've got you know, another 10 to get to during the day. Uh, and you know as an ex-property manager. Um, and also then finally, it's the customer service component back to the landlord, like what's the presentation back to the customer and, and what level of service does that represent? Because when you think about routine inspections, it's probably one of the key customer touch points you've got mm-hmm. uh, as a landlord. Probably the most regular in property management too. It's, it's such a big, um, like if you're not getting good regular, if you if you think, oh God, it's been two years since I've had a routine inspection, all of a sudden you go, 
what is going on. Well, it's kind of like servicing your car. You, you only ever talk to the dealer when you're getting your car serviced. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, right? But it's such a critical touch point. Yeah. If you don't do it well, like that can really impact or if something goes wrong. Anyway, yeah. so you kind of evaluate. We're looking at those kind of three factors. How fast, how efficient is our product uh, making these guys at doing routines? What's the quality of the output in terms of customer experience effectively? Yeah. And the realisation was that um, there was one particular person that smashed it on both of those outcomes and he wasn't using an app. Uh, This guy was effectively going around and dictating into uh, his phone taking photos and then uh, sending that. Uh, no, actually, he did it himself. He, he sat, when he got back to the office, he would simply just, you know, like old school dictation for anyone that's as old as me, you'll remember the kind of like dictaphone, sat there, typed it up, beautiful document, presented it well. Yep. And for him, that was the most, he could he could pump that out in about half the time of what, use, what he could using the app. Yep. Um, so anyways, it was an important lesson to me about, don't get carried away with software. Like the industry really needs to start to challenge this stuff. Mm. And what I see is, and I started to go down this path, what I see is I see the next bright, shiny thing coming into the market, the next app. And so it kind of prompted us to do a bit of work around understanding what that technology stack looked like in a real estate agency. And the average agency has 16 different software as a service subscriptions in their business. Um, the average, the worst I've seen is about 45. <laughs> um, there's double ups, there's, you know, there's, and, and, and. Then so you break it down to like the agent level and they've probably got their own as well, well right? I was just about to say that, like that's not including what the agents use themselves. So yeah. inevitably what you get is you get this confused mess of software within a real estate agency. Yeah. Um, and none of which actually shifts the needle. Software twister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like software roulette. But but the thing is, none of it's actually shifted the needle. Right. So if you kind of look at some of the really key metrics, and, and this was my life for a long time, was looking at productivity metrics of agents in different roles. And if you think about property management, you know, the, 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 the old school, how many properties per property manager kind yeah. of ratio. Yeah. No one shifted that. No. No piece of software has shifted that. Um, and yet it should. There's no reason why it shouldn't. And this is kind of where I ended up doing what I'm doing. So we researched, spent a lot of time researching AI, uh, so artificial intelligence, but also um, disciplines uh, called uh, RPA or robotic process automation, um, which has been around for years. Um, But it's kind of like all this stuff's kind of coming to way. So we kind of picked the best elements of RPA AI and what we know in terms of big data mm. and, and, and data and analytics uh, techniques, we kind of combine those into one service yeah. with the goal of kind of creating a, and we forget, we've had to really go back to the drawing board uh, around <laughs> how to, I guess, explain this technology because when we started, we started talking about AI and big data and RPA and people would just glaze over, like, what <laughs> are you talking about, Ian? Um, and that was really hard. So um, that's how Rita was born. So Rita is our digital employee. And all of a sudden, when you start, you know, when you start talking about the resources your business has, and you know, everyone knows the term human resources, um, you then need to look at technology resources in exactly the same way. So have a look at how you manage human resources. Every single human resource in your company, i.e. every employee, Mm. has a job description. They have a set of tasks that they need to complete. They've got reporting lines. They've got KPIs. They've got metrics. That's if you do it well, okay? Uh, Not many people do, but do it to the extent where it's best practice. Yeah. Um, But they're kind of the the basic ingredients for getting the most out of your people. Mm. Why don't people have the same stuff for technology, like your technology resources? So that's kind of the approach we've taken is that we talk to a business, we, we talk about the problem they're trying to solve, the business problem, not what they think is the business problem, which is often the symptom. Uh, yeah. And we engineer, I guess, a technical resource being reader. We engineer reader to solve that problem in the most effective, efficient way uh, possible. Mm-hmm. 
that delivers on efficiencies and also significantly improve customer experience. So going back a step to, I guess, what you were saying about the motivation behind starting Air, the company, and Rita being the product, you you mentioned the, the tangled mess of technology. And I think everyone listening to this will absolutely connect with that problem is that uh, the principles uh, they've got you know maybe the CRM for the office and then the individual agents are using Microsoft Outlook or spreadsheets or even their own <laughs> CRM that they've gone and subscribed to yep. you've got the marketing team using something you know an email marketing solution that doesn't sync with the CRM you've then got a property management a property manager who's just joined the business who might be using another inspection software that doesn't sync with the trust account package. Like it's a, te- you, I think that's the perfect example, the perfect words mm. to use, uh, with the tangled mess of technology. So going back to that as the motivation behind starting air, that that's, and knowing you to the mm. level that I do, that's your motivation for kind of untangling that mess and making it a, a lot more simple uh, all of the processes that all of those pieces of software do, that is kind of the goal, is what, is what I hear you saying? Yeah, 100%. So it's to get better return on investment from the technology that you use in your business. And there's a couple of reasons um, that people don't... So there's a bunch of different root causes, um, and you don't have to have 20 different CRMs to not use your CRM properly. Most people, even if you have one CRM, don't use the CRM properly. Right. Um, even that uh, is a problem that we need to solve. Um, and I guess, unfortunately, it comes down to humans. Mm. And so uh, I'll give you an example. So Rita's latest deployment is for a... Uh, just, to, just to pause you there for a minute. So yep. Rita, just so everyone's not going, who's this uh, this wonderful Rita <laughs> yeah. you're talking about? Rita, just explain, break it down for people, that Rita is not actually a person. It's not a virtual assistant. It's software hosted in the cloud somewhere that's performing tasks for you. Have I got that right? It's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> okay. we talk You've just given it a name to give to kind of make it feel like a real person in your business. Is that just makes it easier. Right. Because all of a sudden, you know, you go from having to explain what AI is yeah. to just talking about the problem. Yeah. So would it would you say if I use the example and some people listening will have heard of um, the Amazon Alexa mm. or Siri. Everyone's got an iPhone. Most people have an iPhone. Yep. Um, they would have heard of Siri. Yep. Or if they've got an Android, it's Google Talk, I think. Uh, Google Assistant. Google Assistant. Yeah. So essentially... Google Home, that thing, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So any of those voice-activated technologies th- that have a name, yep. that's essentially what Rita is not a, a real person. It's it's a piece of technology that's doing things for you. Have yeah. I got that? Have I? Sort of. <laughs> Here's the problem with AI is it's got so many different meanings and uh, it's a bit like big data, you know, people throw it around as a term. Yeah. So when you talk about, I guess, those home assistants, so the Google Homes, the Alexas and, and, and whatnot, yeah. what they are is they are bots, they are bots, and largely what they're doing is they're, they're, they're using what's called natural language processing, which is a um, – which is – a I guess a discipline within the AI umbrella that effectively takes spoken language or conversations yep. and can understand that and then, I guess, perform actions off the back of that. So, um, you know, if you've ever used chatbots on on uh, Facebook, etc., this that that is what's called conversational uh, AI. Um, that's very different to say. Um, the work that's going on with autonomous vehicles, for example. Mm. So autonomous vehicles are using, you know, machine, what's called machine vision, uh, which is taking visual input, analyzing and in, in, in order. But if you kind of distill it down into its most simplest goal, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence is about enabling a machine to make a decision. Okay. So in the context of autonomous vehicles, the the machine is taking in a whole bunch of visual inputs in order to make a decision about whether to stop or go right or turn left or turn right um that's effectively all it's doing um and so that's that's how we think about it is that we think about how do we need to embed what do we need to train rita on in terms of information and how to handle information uh, in order to make decisions on behalf of the people she works for. 
And I would I would say just that, that most of the tasks that Rita performs, the software performs, are repeatable tasks, stuff mm. that people are doing again and again and again and again in their business that they need to be sitting at a desk to do in front of a computer. Yeah. I would assume they're the kind of tasks that we're talking about. Is that a fair call? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, um, like Rita's not picking up the phone and calling your open home prospects. Not today. Not, not, not today. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet, no. No, a really easy way to, like, how do you know, uh, another term that we like to use is called bot sourcing. So if bot you're... sourcing. Bot sourcing, yeah. Bot sourcing. So if you're outsourcing now, yeah. i.e. you're getting people in the Philippines or wherever to do yeah. a certain business fo- workflow, yeah. generally speaking, that could be done by a machine. But what gets where it gets really exciting is not so much can they just do what I've always done. It's like what you get rid of the human constraint. Mm. And if you think about why are robots better than humans, well, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, and I don't want it to sound as if I'm you know building Skynet and I'm <laughs> the father of Terminator. I'm not. Um, I, I'm just passionate about this idea that technology can be an enabler for a better life mm. and 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 better um, and productivity and anyway we won't get onto the the philosophical kind of approach to this but if you think about at a, at a very basic level why are robots more effective at, than humans are doing work i'll tell you a story actually go for it did you know did you know what the first calculator was no it was actually a human so it was actually a job called calculator. So there were these people that actually that was their job. They, their job was to sit there and use abacus or whatever to do um, maths. Right. Um, and they were calculators. And uh, anyway, so... That would have been a bit uh, cumbersome if you're going into a maths exam and you have to take a person. <laughs> but, but do you know what? Like it's, it's a simple idea, right? So the, here's a basic example of, well, you would never ever... Like today, you would just never consider... You know, if it's basic maths, you might do it in your head. But if it's something, you know, more than like me, if I get more than three digits, you know, I'm straightening my phone right. uh, to use a calculator. So it's just stuff that computers are better at. Um, so if we talk about robots, why is Rita better than necessarily a human at doing things? Well, she doesn't have a capacity issue. So modern technology, cloud-based servers means our compute power is unlimited effectively. Mm. Um, and that's only going to increase. Uh, exponentially. Just on that, just to pause you there for a moment, the yeah. um, you're talking about compute power. So if we think of, if we just explain that for people, and I think um, a shout out to Chris Rolls and some of the works, some of the work that he's been doing in the industry. And for those of you who don't know who Chris Rolls is, go and Google him. Um, quite a fascinating um, and, a, and a, an amazing story of how he grew his property management business back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the research that he shared, it made a lot of sense to me where he talked about the the exponential growth in computing power and why that's given rise to a lot of the, uh, the digital um, frameworks that we now have. Yeah. Um, so if you think back, you know, years and years ago when here's the example you know the size of the phone and how much computing power went into you know the old Nokia 3210 compared to the computing power in an iPhone is it's exponentially different but we're talking 10 years and um, I think he shared the the statistic around how computing power doubles every 18 months yeah and it's only doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling and then we get to a point of parity where the computing power is so it's essentially the same as a human brain almost um maybe not quite but um, oh, no, yeah no, he used no, he used no. that example it doubles every 18 months so so 20, 20, using 20 that as an example 2023 is when they predict that the the computer there will be a computer processor equal to the human brain in terms of capacity right like, that's not far away so going back to what you were saying before about yeah. um Rita doesn't have capacity issues. It's almost um, unlimited, the yep. computing power. It's only going to get faster and more intelligent moving forward. That's right. So the, the kinds, the volume and the variety of, and this is when you start talking about big data, you talk about 3Ds, volume, veracity, variety of data. Right. Um, so with compute power and more and more data, you can kind of process that data faster. Okay. And this is why autonomous driving is suddenly is 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 
becoming a reality far faster than what anyone predicted is because five years ago, the idea that you could have enough compute power to take in real-time vision Mm. and process that and make a decision faster than a human or equivalent to a human in terms of their driving was just... It was unfathomable. Like yeah. They just didn't think that that was even going to be possible. Right. Um, but that's now, and there's, you know, it's now happening. It's well, I mean, it's only 10 years ago that you bought a car and it had a cassette player in it. Yeah, that's right. These days, you'd be hard-pressed to buy a car with a CD player in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, yeah, so I, I think most people get that, the, yeah. the fact that computing power is the driving force behind so many of these innovations, is yeah. that it's just getting faster um, the 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 equipment or the infrastructure to, to house all of this technology is getting smaller, mm. um, and it's it's only uh, you know according to the research that we we just talked about, mm. it's doubling every eighteen months. Yeah, so it's called Moore's law. Like read up, it's uh, yeah. it's been around for a long time. But um, so and the other thing that's kind of uh, accelerating that growth today is obviously investment. Mm. Um, mm. You know, so it's. Machine learning has been around for since the 80s and neural networks uh, were thought of first in the 80s and they're actually unpopular. People thought that was stupid. There was a dumb idea um, in terms of a, a technology uh, and a way to solve problems. Yeah. Um, and it's only now that it's getting, I guess, a resurgence because of, again, computing power, but but also people are throwing billions of dollars at it, right? These, yeah. <laughs> these data scientists, graduate data scientists are like, you know, it's like an NFL draft. Yeah. They're getting massive offers of big money and, yeah. and, and anyway, so there's, there's a lot of money going towards it. But I think, you know, if you think about just practically why is a human better than or more, more potentially better at doing a job, particularly a mundane task, it doesn't have a capacity issue. It works 24-7. It doesn't need motivation. Like the, the problem with mundane tasks is they're mundane mm. right, and they're really boring. Well, if, if Betty calls in sick, then that task doesn't get performed today. 100%. Or someone else has got to pick up the slack and they may not know what that task is and yep. you know, there's, there might not be docking. Oh, the list goes on, right? I think everyone's feeling the pain of that moment right now who's listening. So, <laughs> Well, what was interesting is the other thing that we don't think about enough in real estate is we don't think about peaks and troughs mm. of, of our business. And it wasn't until we actually started putting Reader into some agencies we actually saw that visualised mm-hmm. in terms. So, for example, inquiry. You take inquiry. Well, let's let's just just before you get onto that, if we yep. get into what Rita actually does, sure. Um, give us give us a practical example. I think you're going to go into it now. Give us a practical example of one task that Rita performs and kind of break it down for us yep. in terms of um, you know one that's typically performed by a human in a yep. real estate business. And take us through, I guess, what Rita does, and then the uh, you know some of the benefits of just that one task being performed by a computer. Okay, so um, sorry, uh, Rita. I, you know, she's probably listening to this, thinking, "Did you just call me a computer?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. we she's my. She's my. Wife, she's my work wife. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so one implementation is inquiry management. Okay, so. You might think inquiry management is a pretty basic process, but here's the thing. So what Rita can do is she can, and, and this is the other important thing for our philosophy as a business, is that we don't, we want to work with the systems you already have. Yeah. So that means we do deep level integrations with your existing email supplier and your CRM or as many of the systems as we can. Yeah. We don't want to add more software. We want to take it away if we can. Yeah. We want to simplify and focus on the business problem. Um, so with uh, inquiry management, traditionally what we'll do is we'll integrate to the email. Um, and this one particular client already had a receptionist who was sent, they centralized all their inbound inquiry. It was her job to basically read it, um, you know, put the contact into the CRM. Yeah. Um, but they all had very strict rules around that. Mm-hmm. So they, they, it wasn't um, just a simple let's put them in. They, they wanted it to be qualified and tagged with certain things. Yeah. So let's let's break that down to what the uh, what the person actually did. The person who was managing that, they would get an inquiry from, say, one of the portals for about a yep. property. Yeah. And what happens next? So then they would they would basically um, enter that information, the basic information of the CRM manually. Manually, I think they would add them to a certain newsletter. Actually, two different newsletters. Uh, they would tag them in with three different categories based off 
what property they inquired on, where it was, yeah. and uh, the price. Um, and what, what they, you know, on the portals, right, when you tell them what, you know, whether oh, you're yep. an investor or a homeowner That's or right. a, a tenant or something like that, so they'd have to somehow yep. segment them that way as well. That's right. So just, you know, converting that into that. Then they had this kind of standard template of responses that they had drafted. So they were very clear on their brand language. So yep. very good brand. So they would have, let's let's even look at that, they would have had to spend time drafting those and, and changing them over the years and, yep. and, and spent time creating those responses too, right? 100%. So to reflect their personality as a business, yep. right? So it's not good enough nowadays just to have... A cookie cutter. Yeah. Thanks, bland response. thanks for your inquiry. We'll get back to you. Yeah. You really want to make sure it's unique and that, that again, because it's such a critical touch point. Yeah. Um, so they had, so she had this uh, document, which is just a bunch of templates. If, if it's this kind of inquiry in this scenario, do this, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so she would have to kind of think through the inquiry, look at this and, and, and then decide which response to do. Uh, she would carbon copy the agent on it. She would put a task in the CRM to, for the agent to follow it up mm-hmm. so they could track that. Oh, what else did they do? That was it, right? So that was kind of their process. Okay. And this was effectively took up, you know, and, and this is where we talk, start talking about volume and scale. Yeah. So how many, how many, if we go to the next step of how many inquiries per day would she be, before, this this receptionist or the secretary or assistant, yep. Yep. the person in the office, how many inquiries would they be, on average, be doing that process for every day? So uh, I think last month, Rita did 750 inquiries. Okay. Um, so that's what, that's in a month? Yep. Okay. So that's what typically the uh, this person was doing themselves manually? Yep. We, okay. we equate it to um, uh, around about, it was a full-time job, right. effectively. The issue is, right, is that, and this is what we discovered when we started doing this work, is that it's it's not even, is this a full-time job? The problem is in the peaks and troughs. And so if, you, if you've ever actually analysed your inquiry, it all comes in on, like the majority of it will come in the first three days of the week. And so what happens is, and you kind of got to think of it like a graph with peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you've got this human resource, which only has so many hours in the day. Um, okay, so on a Monday, which is the peak generally, on a Monday because you've got all the inquiry that's come through from generally admin staff that work weekends. So you've got all the inquiry that's come in from Saturday and Sunday that still has to be processed. Yep. So you've got this big backlog of work and that person's only got eight hours in the day. So you've got a couple of key issues. One is that, well, it's been sitting there for two days already. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is if you get, and there are occasions I think the peak the peak was like uh, 75 inquiries in a single day. Um, okay. It's just physically impossible. It would have been physically impossible for that person to do that work. To perform all those tasks. That's right. Or to, to do it properly. To do it properly, yeah. right? To do it to the standard that they had set that they that they aim for. Yeah. Um, and that's why computers are better than humans is because they don't have standards. They don't have capacity issues. The volume doesn't matter to them. They can scale up, scale down based off the work that's coming into them um okay so if we if we maybe fast forward to when Rita joined the team <laughs> and uh and and all of those tasks that you just outlined and, and that's all of our listeners for, for you listening i'm sure you would have similar processes in your business that you would be performing around inquiry management and it's it's mostly a manual process you might have um, automatic responders set up maybe uh, from your website that yep. might send someone a, a reply. So now take us to the introduction of, of when Rita joined the team yep. and uh, and how that worked and um, the, some of the benefits then and also, um, you know, some of the, uh, the implementation uh, side of things because I think the misconception with a lot of businesses is we plug these things in and they just work. Yep. Um, so maybe maybe hit home some truths around implementation of it as well? well in, in, every business is different right? Um, in terms of, and, and I, what I like to educate on is your business processes reflect your service. Um, and so I guess the biggest difference that I guess this particular client saw was that they could, they used to do maybe five or six steps as part of their process of inquiry management. Mm-hmm. 
now what we had to kind of work with them on is thinking about, well, forget about the human issue of, uh, you know, six steps currently currently takes a person five minutes and that's all we can possibly afford. Mm -hmm. What if you had 20 things that you could do around an inquiry? Um, what would that service look like? Mm -hmm. And how could we do that? So we've we've expanded that business process out to be a far greater customer experience. Um, so that's benefit number one. Um, so what does that look like? If we, you, you're saying instead of six things that you should be doing around the inquiry, and you mentioned them before about segmenting them in the database, putting them into the newsletter, yep. CCing the agent on the inquiry so they can be across all that, what are some other steps in the process that technology or Rita can perform yep. that have added to that experience? So a couple of practical examples is ownership searches. We can do those. So a lot of people, good agents, will actually do ownership searches on buyers. So one thing we have found is that 10% of inquiry is actually sellers or property owners that are local. Right. Um, and so, so let's let's look at that. If you get an inquiry from realestate.com.au or domain.com.au, mm -hmm. You get that inquiry, it comes through the uh, the system. Mm. Rita can then perform an ownership search almost instantaneously yep. based on that inquiry. Yep, exactly. Uh, we can also do, we use third-party services to do things like validating the email they've sent, validating the phone number they've put into the form. Well, that, I mean, just th that would be a huge pain point with a lot of businesses that I know, the businesses that we work with, yeah. is they're often from a marketing perspective is... We, we only get you know the phone number the, the quality of the lead is not great because they've given us a wrong phone number or email yeah. but what you're saying is reader can perform verifications on those things yeah 100 so if it's a bad phone number and let's assume that the email is valid bad phone number good email yeah. saying dear ian uh i think you may have mistyped your phone number um i would love to give you a call you know can you please provide it uh, another really good example is um uh also, we use some third-party tools to go and augment data with social profiles where it's available. Yeah. So, so social media profiles is what yeah, you're referring yeah. to there? Yeah, that's right. And this is where it kind of can get a bit scary for people is that um, effectively just type your email address into Google and see what comes up. So generally, this there's a lot of information about you, particularly as, as real estate agents, you, you, you're fairly exposed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they're wondering why they get phone calls from service providers uh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, but uh, equally, consumers now are becoming much more exposed to people knowing more and more about them, uh, whether they like it or not. Um, so let's let's just. I just want to make sure everyone understands. So I'm just slowing down these 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 steps just so everyone is on board. This inquiry comes in. So far, Reader has performed an ownership search on the inquiry yep. uh, and provides that as a um, obviously a report to the business or the, the, the assistant or the salesperson. Uh, she's also done a verification check on the mobile number and email that that person has provided and provided that in the body of the email as well. Mm -hmm. So what else? And she's maybe even um, captured some social media profile data and included that in the reply to the office as well. It's, so, about, it's about segmentation. So, um, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. And, uh, you know, inquiry management, it can be, it can be one of those things. If, if you don't have centralised inquiry, if you're not a big office, it's probably not a big issue for you right? in terms of managing it uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So I guess just thinking about inquiry management, it's, it's just one, of, one thing. Um, mm -hmm. The, the other thing I see, and this is kind of what we're working on now, is data management as a bucket. Yeah. Like this industry has just boggles the mind how many how much consumer data they actually have stored away in their siloed databases. Um, so we're dealing with some clients now that have been with the same CRM for, say, 15 years. They've got 15 years of data, hundreds of thousands of records. Yeah that have just been ignored, a really bad quality. Um, Duplicates, incomplete, uh, all the above? Yeah, all that. No idea who they are. Like in a database of 100,000 contacts, they've got 60,000 active buyers, which is just not right. <laughs> um, There's only 10,000 homes in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, go figure. So look, it's hard. And the reason why this happens is because it's bloody hard. Yeah. You get a big agency, or even if you're a good agent and you're good at marketing, you're going to get a lot of contact data into your system yeah. uh, in, in, in any given week. 
and the resource required to maintain that is is significant mm. uh, so inevitably what happens is you don't invest the resource and it just backs up mm. right so all of a sudden you've got 15 years of bad data you don't know where to start and this is where robots are great um, you might get a VA to go and try and clean it up, dejupe it. And, and that's that's what I was that was going to be a question I had for you was I mean a lot of businesses do uh, some of the ones that we've worked with um, they've they've hired VAs to go and tidy up uh, their database to use for marketing purposes whether it's cold calling or um, uh, it might be creating custom audiences inside Facebook or something you know whatever it might be they've had a person go and tidy up the database but. At the end of the day, the, the it's it, it's still not. You, you talk about capacity. You're paying that person to do something that just just give us an example for people that are thinking. Right, I get it. I get that software is performing all these tasks for new inquiry. I get that um, the software can be uh, retrospective, so it can go and uh, really tidy up my database for me. Yeah. Give us an idea how of, uh, I guess, the, the difference between having that person you mentioned before who was handling those tasks in that in that particular business, yeah. 750 in a month, for example. How many tasks could Rita do in a month by, or software just in general, potentially, yeah. by way of comparison, perform? How many, how many contacts could they get through? So we had one, we had one client who was, had two VAs that they'd Some employed, people, real people, real people, that they'd employed to try and clean up their data a little bit, um, and they would get through fifty contacts a day. Fifty contacts a day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was doing a variety of steps, um, and so largely uh, we can replace that with readers' cap- capacity is, is largely unlimited. It generally, without getting too technical. Our constraint is often on the third party system and not to flood their APIs. Right. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, we can get through thousands. So I think we did, um, we've just ticked over four and a half million tasks uh, this week. I think last week was a PB, it was it was like a million tasks in a week. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's pretty significant. Um, yeah. And we're just getting started, like we're just starting to ramp that stuff up now. Yeah. Um, but this just be possible, because it's not just about that initial cleanse, right? Because, and we, what we kind of talk about is we talk about data management is like painting the story of the Harbour Bridge. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, I talk about the Harbour Bridge, nearly every city's got a Harbour Bridge so everyone can connect. Yeah. Uh, but once you finish painting it, you know, you kind of go back to the other end, you've got to start again. Right. Um, that's what it takes to have really clean, well-managed data. Um, and and well, I asked you about it before. I'm not sure if we kind of clarify the, the um, around implementation because a lot of people, mm-hmm. real estate agents are busy, principals are busy, property managers are busy. Mm-hmm. It's busy, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, they look to software as the quick fix that I can plug this thing in and I can just buy it off the shelf, plug it in, and it's going to work. But yeah. with something this complex, given that every different every business has their own software, own CRM, it's all so different from business to business. Yeah. Um, even from business, the agents inside the business could be different. So just help people understand the importance of, right, if, if, if software, if we're going to go down this path of connecting systems like this, it's not a bite off the shelf and plug it in, right? It's something that they need to really consider. We need to slow down for a minute mm. to really be able to speed up down the track. So just... just Touch on a little bit around the implementation of what expectations someone should have if they're yeah. going to, you know, look at look at something like AI to automate those processes. It's got to be a strategic discussion, so it has to start with strategy first. So, uh, if the industry gets into this, and this is the other issue I have with off-the-shelf software, is that eventually the service levels just get commoditized. So. If the industry is going to succeed and have a lifespan, then it needs to be around the differentiation of service. Um, and as a result, you need to take a strategic view around your critical business processes. So it starts there. And that's, I guess, what we try and do. You know, So I've got significant history in the industry. Uh, I've consulted on strategic growth for the industry. Um, we kind of take that heavy lifting away mm. in terms of them having to think about it. So we kind of look at their business and work with them to identify. So, for example, that client I was talking, their brand was very important to them. So we thought, well, look, let's spend the energy there in making sure that those the wording, the language is, is kind of is, is really in sync with what you want to do. Yeah. Um, uh, another client 
has a strong belief, and I share this belief, in that emails, uh, just the amount of spam that consumers are getting today is just going through the roof. It's yep. getting out of control. Okay. Um, and yes, it's cost effective, but so what? Mm. Like just spamming the world is not gonna is not gonna create relationships um, and is not gonna create trust for the industry. Yeah, the old spray and pray approach. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, pick up the phone. So that that's that I think those human connections are where the industry is gonna prove its value. Um, the things that machines can't do, which mm-hmm. is genuinely connect with another human being. Yeah, so you kind of get you kind of getting onto the benefits, which I was gonna leave until last, which is the I guess why would someone even bother with AI? Yeah. Um, but the implementation, just to kind of oh, sorry, wrap up that discussion, it's really they need to they really need to stop for a minute. You, again, you can't just I'm just trying to set those expectations that yeah. you know someone can't just buy it off the shelf. It's not like a it's not like an iPhone. You buy it and you start using it. Yeah. it you've got a map. What I hear you saying is you've got to plan this stuff out. You've got, you've got to physically have the time yourself and to, to stop for a minute and map this stuff out is what I hear you saying. A little bit. I mean, we try and take, as I said, we try and take away a lot of that burden um, from the client having to think too much. Yeah. But generally how we work is we, we, we do a consultative session at the very beginning to understand right. what the goals are. And we work on a continuous improvement approach. So it's not what we do is we, it's, it's kind of like think of your hire reader to do an initial job. This yep. is, hey reader, this is where we're really struggling today. Uh, but we've also got this really long list of other stuff that you could do. And so what we do is we we just work through that, like, yeah. a, like a, a backlog. Yeah. Um, and we can also kind of look strategically at the different technology resources they have already, uh, how could, how they could use them better. Mm. Um, Would you say it's more suited to, as I think you alluded to it before, businesses with significant inquiry volume, like a smaller business that is maybe handling a handful of listings at once who may only have one or two salespeople? Like what, is there a, a size of a business that would this this would suit at this point in time as technology gets better i'm sure every sure. business will benefit but right now yeah would you say that what you do and what reader does and what automation does it, it is more suited to kind of medium sized business large where like, or am i completely off the mark no uh i think you're right i think what we talk about we talk about the problem of scale yeah so the problem of getting bigger without increasing overheads so how do you scale real estate Um, and traditionally and this is what I talk about when I go and present about the problem that we solve is that traditionally you just add more people and people are more expensive Um, now the second strategy people use they add technology but as I said to you I think there has still hasn't been much the technology that's been introduced to the industry has not significantly shifted the needle around the number of people that you need in order to deliver the service you you provide. Um, So I think the short answer is anyone that is at that next level of scale, they want to grow. Mm. Um, If if you've got 20 managements and two listings, then you've got plenty of time on your hands that you can do some of that work yourself uh, and the investment's not, you're not going to recruit the investment. But if you're at the point of saying, I'd, I'm thinking about hiring a VA or I'm thinking about hiring an assistant or I'm thinking about um, I've already got this person doing this job. Yeah. I really don't see a lot of value in it. They've got this other thing I want them to do, mm. which is much more value. So, for example, that, that person we talked about that was handling the inquiry is now focusing on the social media strategy for the company right? and spends most of her time doing that yeah. rather than the inquiry. So they've kind of shifted that resource mm-hmm. into a more strategically important role yeah. within their company. And I guess that's the goal for us is we don't want to, we're not going to put people out of jobs. We're going to get them focused on the stuff that matters and delivers more and more value. And that's what you have to do in business. So this is where I want to just kind of wrap things up around this discussion. We, uh, we've, covered, we've covered a lot, um, and, but I think they're all pain points in a business that, that people right now are feeling. They're, they're feeling the pitch. They're yeah. feeling um, they're relying on platforms. I won't name any names, but we're, we're talking uh, com- agent comparison websites, agent review websites, the mm-hmm. portals, their pricing keeps going up. Everyone, more and more providers are coming into the industry who want their cut of how much money gets thrown at the real estate industry. Mm. So 
I, I share the belief that agents aren't going to be replaced by technology. They're going to be replaced by agents who work. leverage technology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Agents work who hard. work. Yeah. But at the same time, I think um, you uh, just to wrap things up, I think um, around the, the benefits of, of AI, from what I see is um, it allows the team, the customer-facing people in the business, yeah. which virtually everyone is these days or should be. Have to be. It allows them to be better at that, yeah. better at re- building relationships, better at um, communicating with their current clients, yeah. allow technology to do the things that a computer can do, mm. um, which allows you to uh, to build a better experience. Would you, is that kind of what, what, what the... The, uh, the unicorn is of, of they've got to stop being calculators <laughs> don't be a calculator yeah well one one um, <laughs> that, well going back to what you were saying earlier I, I remember Matt Church um, hi Matt if you're listening uh, Matt I, I spoke I had the pleasure of speaking with Matt at a conference in the Philippines back in June this year and uh, he, he made a really good um, uh, comment around surgeons brain surgeons right yeah. first of all they don't advertise and second of all, they don't order gauze. And I loved that because I think it's you have the resources in place to allow you to do the stuff that you're paid to do. Yeah. And for brain surgeons, I mean, why would you be – would you go to a brain surgeon if they're the one ordering gauze? Or no. uh, you, you, no. you get the point, right? Yeah. It's You're allowing other resources in real estate, you're allowing technology yeah. to perform those tasks so we can keep building better relationships. 100%. So conservatively, our goal is to, we think every business will have a digital employee uh, within the next five to 10 years. We just think it's going to happen. Um, well, those who don't are really going to, they're going to have to either grow extra arms and legs or find another 10 hours in the day. Would you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a race to service and, and the person that isn't, you know, uh, pinned down mm. by administrative tasks and non-value-add functions. It's freedom, right? It's yeah. I mean, they've got more time to not just service their clients, but think about how to service their clients better and continuously invest in that growth. Um, so I, I think it's it's going to happen. We're we're kind of at the early stage now. We're piloting a lot of very unique ideas about you know again throwing away what we know about what software is in the industry and how it gets used and the value it provides, we kind of throw that away and we challenge everything. Uh, So, for example, one would think that after readers cleaned your database, segmented it and prioritised it in terms of of opportunities, you could just... She could just send them emails, right? It's like, no, why don't you pick the phone up, right? So, um, you know, here you've got... Agents spending thousands of dollars on on lead generation, and they've got literally thousands of contacts that they've had some mm. sort of interaction with um, that has just been wasted. Yeah. Um, that might be sellers today, uh, yeah. and we know that's true. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting. The reason I got into it was because it's exciting, uh, and we like working with good people. Uh, but I think it cuts to you know, kind of cutting to the the values of I think some shared values between you and I is that um, I don't think technology is the disruptor in the no. industry. It's a, it's a better customer experience that is going to disrupt poor customer experience businesses. Yeah. Um, that's really what I mean. At the end of the day, Uber wasn't disrupted by taxis. Uh, sorry, taxis weren't disrupted by Uber. <laughs> Got it the wrong way around. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were disrupted by a better experience. No question. At and, a cheaper uh, price. At a cheaper price. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think... Well, for anyone listening, I think we've only really scratched the surface. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, continue. I'll be back. I'll talk all day about it. But for anyone who wants to, um, first of all, thanks for spending an hour uh, talking about um, what you're doing. If anyone wants to find out more or get in touch, where can they find you? Uh, get Air, A-I-R-E. Um, it's a very clever name, uh, air, AI real estate, um, .com.au. So get air.com.au. Awesome. Well, Ian Campbell, thank you very much. And uh, for everyone listening, thanks for joining us and we'll join you again very soon. You've been listening to the Real Estate Pros Podcast, brought to you by Agent Marketing Cloud, the digital marketing platform for leading real estate agents and teams. Find out more at agentmarketingcloud.com.au.
And until next time, I'm Josh Cobb. Thanks for tuning in.